Good morning. Today is Friday, August 28, 2020. The structure of mitzvos that the Torah has, that God commands us, the structure, if you look at the whole picture, addresses every area and aspect of human experience. Of course, there are many mitzvos that relate to actions. There are mitzvos that relate to words, what we should say, what we should not say. There are also mitzvos that relate to beliefs. And this is not as well known, and this is a little bit complicated, but there are certain beliefs that we are required as part of the mitzvah structure to hold. And also a little bit more complicated, there are mitzvos that require emotions. And that just begs the question, well, how can you command an emotion? But we have a commandment to love God, a commandment to love our fellow, a commandment to love the stranger, the, the convert. There are certain uh, uh, mitzvahs that relate to emotions. And there are a category, there is a category of mitzvahs that relate to memories. There are certain memories that we are required, according to the Torah, to keep, to have with us. And the purpose of the breadth of that focus is that every one of those areas, every area of human experience has mitzvos to elevate, to ennoble and enlighten them. And as I mentioned before, we say the bracha for a mitzvah, asher kiddushanu v'tzivanu. You have sanctified us through this commandment, by commanding me to do A, B, and C. Every area of life has these opportunities for sanctification and enlightenment and upliftment, uplift, being uplifted, <laughs> sorry. In the last category, the category of memories, we have a category of mitzvahs that we recall, re, we refer to as the sheish zahiros, the six constant memories we are required to keep in mind at all times. Now, in fact, in most prayer books, in most sidurim, at the end of the daily chakras service, you will see printed sheish zahiros, and there is a list of them. And these are mitzvahs that we are constantly commanded to remember, to keep in the back of our minds at all times. And they are the exodus from Egypt, God revealing himself at Mount Sinai, the attack of Amalek against the Jewish people when we just left Egypt, the acts of rebellion of the Jewish people during the 40 years in the desert, Shabbos, the Sabbath day, and Miriam's punishment for slandering Moshe. And that's a mitzvah that is in our parsha. The Torah says in our parsha of Kisetze, Zachar es asher Hashem Miriam. Remember what God did to Miriam. Baderach I apologize. I lost my place. On the way, as you had left Egypt, traveling towards Israel, there was an incident where God did something to Miriam. And 
we, every one of us, is required to remember that on an ongoing basis constantly. So it's a little bit hard to understand the list because the first five are major national events, and it makes sense to say Exodus from Egypt is the basis of all Judaism. It's the basis of our uh, national identity. Everything that we have starts from uh, Exodus from Egypt. Revelation at Sinai, that's the whole Torah. That's it, the connection with God, what we're supposed to do, the way that God has commanded us, the way that God's mitzvahs are transcendent. The whole thing is there. Shabbos, Shabbos is Shabbos. And then the last one is an individual incident and concerning one individual, Miriam, Moshe's sister, it doesn't seem to fit in with the rest. The rest are all of national scope, of eternal scope. Miriam, there was an incident with Miriam. How does that rise to the level that that should be a requirement to have a constant memory of that going on in our minds? So Rav Cook, first chief rabbi of Israel, suggests that we need to look back at what that incident was and to appreciate it properly to understand why it makes it onto this list. So this goes back to a parsha in Bamidbar to the end of the parsha Baloscha. We read this in the Torah a few months ago. And the Torah has an incident between three siblings. Aharon is the Aharon, Miriam is the oldest, Aharon and then Moshe. Three siblings. Three quite accomplished uh, siblings. And the Torah says that Miriam said something negative about Moshe. And the Torah says that God punished her for speaking negatively about Moshe. So again, the question is, okay, all right, siblings disagree. A sister says something about a brother. Parent steps in. You got you have to hold accountable. Okay, but how does this become a national issue? How does it become something that all of us have to remember all the time? It's an individual incident. Rav Cook points us to the specifics of the issue. What is it that Miriam said about Moshe? Miriam criticized her younger brother Moshe for the way that he was relating to his wife. Because Miriam was a prophetess. Let's just understand. Miriam was a Nivea. She was a prophetess. God spoke through her. Aharon was a prophet. Moshe, of course, was a prophet. All three of them reached the level of prophecy. They were prophets. So, Miriam and Aharon, the fact that they were prophets did not interfere in any way with their relationship with their spouses. But somehow, Moshe's being a prophet interfered with his interactions with his wife. And Miriam criticized Moshe for that. And she said to her brother, she said to Aharon, Harak ach b'Moshe dibir Hashem? Why is Moshe acting with his wife differently than our, we act with our spouses? Did God, does God speak only to Moshe? We are also prophets. So if we're prophets and he's a prophet, 
then why should he be acting any different than we are? That was the criticism that she that she leveled against Moshe. God responds to that criticism and listen to what God says. At the end of Baloska, God says, Miriam, you're making a mistake. Yes, the three of you are prophets, but you are not all the same kind of prophet. There is a difference, a qualitative difference between the level of prophet that Moshe is and the level of prophet that you and Aharon are and every other prophet is. God says, what is a prophet? A prophet is a person who has reached a level of spiritual per perfection such that God is able to use that person as a vehicle to transmit messages that come directly from God. And sometimes there is a requirement that those messages need to be conveyed to some other group. Yeshayahu, uh, Isaiah, was a prophet. So God appeared to him and gave him a message and said, tell the Jewish people um, whatever this week's Haftorah. It's from the prophet Isaiah, Yeshayahu. So he spoke the prophecy. He, he conveyed the message that God wanted him to convey. That's the job of a prophet. How did it happen? What were the mechanics of how it happened? So among prophets, there was a sliding scale. And some prophets were higher, some prophets were lower. But basically, the way prophecy worked is, God would show, let's say, Yeshayahu, Isaiah. Let's just take that example. God would show him a vision, an image, a vision. And say to Yeshayahu, I want you to tell this to the Jewish people. So it was the prophet's job to verbalize the image into words and then convey those words to the people. The prophet Yeshayahu did not hear God say the words, Nachamu, uh, Nachamu, Ami, the famous Haftorah we read a couple of weeks ago. Yeshayahu saw a vision. And when Yeshayahu verbalized it, put the vision into words, it was expressed with those beautiful, comforting words, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. That applies to all the prophets, including Miriam and including Aharon. But God says to them, Lo Kain Avdi Moshe. Moshe is not on the same level that you are. Moshe is qualitatively different. Bechal Beisi Neamanhu. Moshe is trusted throughout my entire palace. In other words, Moshe has full access. You have limited access. You have access to a vision that you need to interpret and verbalize in order to express it. Moshe has complete access. It's like if you get an app, there's the free version where you have some of the access, then you get the paid version, the pro version, then all of the uh, facilities are available to you. Okay. God says about Moshe and only about Moshe, Pe el pe adabrabo umaravalobachidos. I speak to Moshe mouth to mouth, face to face, like I am speaking to you now, that is how God speaks directly to Moshe, not with a vision, not with a message, not with something that Moshe has to interpret and verbalize. 
I placed the words in Moshe's mouth. No other prophet reached that level or will ever reach that level. Moshe is sui generis. Moshe is in a category of prophecy by himself, never has been, never will be anyone else in that category. Every other prophet is in the other category. Higher, lower within that category, but still in a separate category. So what Rav Cook explains is the, what we are required to remember and the seriousness of Miriam's sin was not so much that she spoke negatively about Moshe. Yes, that is a serious sin, but that is, after all, a sin of individual one sibling against another. Not clear that that would have merited being emphasized in the Torah and certainly is not the subject that we need to remember every single day constantly. The part that we have to remember is Miriam's mistaken evaluation of what kind of a prophet Moshe really was. And let me explain why that's so important. The five books of Moshe are on a higher level of prophecy than any other of the books of the Torah. That's why no prophet may contradict what is in the Torah. If we see something in one of the prophets that appears to contradict a law in the Torah, either we have to explain it differently or we have to ignore it. Because no prophet has the permission to contradict what Moshe expresses from God because Moshe is the only one who is expressing the clear, open, complete message of God without any interpretation, without any need to decipher or analyze or provide background for. Moshe is straight from God. And this is fundamental because without this, we would not have the concept of Torah Messinai. We would not have the concept that the mitzvot in the five books of Moses come directly from God, communicated through Moshe, but they come directly from God. And as such, those commandments transcend time and place. Those commandments are applicable to every Jew in all times something that a human being is not capable of doing. Whatever law that a human being comes up with, no matter how good it appears, there will eventually become a time when it is no longer applicable, or there will be a situation in which it is no longer applicable. That is not true for God's laws. God's laws are applicable at all times, in all places, for all people. And that is only true because they are commanded directly from God. And that is only true because the vehicle through which we get them is Moshe who spoke directly. Had Moshe been one of the lower category of uh, prophets, his laws would have only been human interpretations of the visions that he saw, which would diminish the Torah's laws into being quasi-human. And that is something that is fundamentally unacceptable to traditional Judaism. Traditional Judaism rests on the basis 
that yes, there are rabbinic laws, there are even prophetic laws that don't contradict the laws in the Torah, but come from the prophets. But those are categories that are man-made. Then there is a category that comes directly from God. Those are not considered to be man-made because Moshe spoke them not with interpretation, not with his own involvement, but simply recalling what God spoke to him directly as I am speaking to you. Miriam's words equating Moshe's level of prophecy to her level of prophecy or Aharon's level of prophecy, it would have collapsed that. It would have meant that the Torah's laws are not purely God-given. We're not remembering the sibling rivalry. We are remembering how to understand the mitzvahs that are in the Torah. Remember, Moshe was not like every other prophet. Miriam was punished for asserting that Moshe was like another prophet. But it's not true. Moshe's prophecy is in a category all its own. And because of that, the mitzvahs of the Torah that we have we understand, we are confident, and we act that they come directly from God. And that's why this is worthy of being one of the six memories we are required to carry with us constantly because it is fundamental. It is essential to our understanding of what traditional Judaism is. Friends, I want to wish you a great day and a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.